0: Goodbye! Hello, Heisman. 20, 25, 30, 35, 40, 45, 50, 45. There goes Davis. Oh, my God! Davis is going run it all the way back. Auburn's going to win the football
1: game. They give it back now to the 30. They're down to the 20. All the is out on the field. He's going to go into the end.
0: Four-man Alabama rush. Got him. Oh, no, they didn't Oh, my gracious. Yep. Yeah.
2: Guys, part of our new partnership with the Transfer Portal CFB involves a lot of writing from all three of us. Uh, I've written a couple of articles that have been published. You guys are about to jump on that bandwagon as well. And with it being here uh, the end of March, we're about to turn the page into April. Almost everybody is in spring football right now. And so one of the questions that we were getting and that I wrote about on, on the Transfer Portal, you guys... Uh, pinned articles as well that you'll post over on our Twitter and our Instagram. Who are some of the breakout candidates that we can expect to see, not only here in spring ball, but looking forward into 2023 and the season to come? We're going to dive into all of that and much more here on the latest edition of the Three Technique, a college football podcast at the intersection of the X's and O's and the Jimmy's and the Joe's. I'm Mitch Mason, Trey Reeves, Garrett Turney, fellas. It's been a little bit since we've all been together on a podcast.
1: Yeah, it's great to be all back together. Um, I'm very happy to relinquish hosting duties to uh, Mitch, as he, <laughs> you know, Mitch just has a way about him of running these things way smoother than I feel like I can. So happy to be over in the uh, in the passenger seat for this one.
0: Yeah, there's a reason I almost never host, and it's because I am not that guy. Um the the off the take, the or the off the the cuff takes and stuff like that definitely will uh, not lend well towards hosting to duty. So Mitch, we are happy to have you back. Captaining the ship once again. Um yeah, we're we're happy to have you back with us this week.
2: Well, you know, I, I appreciate that. It's it's great to be back. Love working with you guys um don't sell yourself short though the episode that you guys did last week is doing really good numbers not only on the podcast side but on the youtube side as well we were talking about it before we hit the air the pac-12 meteorites, the chapter 75 in that saga uh is is booming over on the youtube channel which is an easy way to direct you guys over there if you are new to the channel if you listen to the podcast maybe only go over and check out our youtube channel um 3Tech Pod you can find us there on our social media as well Instagram and Twitter and of course as I mentioned we are partnered with the Transfer Portal CFB you can find our work over on their website as well the transferportalcfb.com Uh we'll get into the ad read and a giveaway that we're starting for you guys in, in just a little bit but uh, Trey kind of tee this up um we've all got two guys on the offensive side of the ball that we've either written about or just are pegging as, as breakout candidates for 2023 for their respective teams. And a lot of these guys are yet to emerge, right? They're kind of coming out of the shadows, stepping into their own uh, this season and could be really big game changers for their teams.
1: Yeah. When you look around the college football space right now, there are a lot of breakout candidate articles, but you see things like, I don't know, uh, uh, you see the things like Connor Wegman, or you see things like um, our, our guy, K Clubnick at Clemson, like guys that I think have already kind of gotten their chance to emerge on the national scene, um, at least getting an opportunity last year, maybe not so much for Wegman as he's going to be able to have a full year under his belt this year. Same thing with Clubnick, but we've kind of seen those guys, right? And so we're wanting to take a little bit step further, dig a little bit deeper To find those guys that can kind of come, not necessarily out of nowhere, but be more surprising stars that we're talking about nationally uh, come six months from now, seven, eight months from now.
0: Yeah, and we don't want to just talk about, you know, oh, the new wide receiver at Ohio State or the new Bama quarterback or, you know, that that senior at Georgia, who's going to be a running back, who's, you know, he's been buried on the depth chart behind the 17 guys to get carries there. And, you know, he's, he's finally going to be the breakout candidate there. We want to go a little bit off the trail. We want to talk about some programs that you don't hear about all the time. And, and we want to talk about guys who we think are, you know, really in that position to, you know, and, and maybe, you know, some of these guys are at bigger programs. We want to talk about guys who really have a chance to become somebody not based on a, on a mold, not based on what other guys have done at that position, but who we really think you know, hey, these guys have the chance to really break out and make a name of their own.
2: Well, I'm excited to dive into this and and let's go ahead and and get into it. We'll we'll do around here. We'll talk about the giveaway and uh then we'll finish up. So Trey, let's actually start with you here. First offensive player that you're really looking forward uh to seeing how they shine in 2023 and a guy that you wrote about in SMU quarterback Preston Stone.
1: Yeah, you know, as vested investors in this SMU program, I think (laughs) Preston Stone's going to be worth the price of admission this year, fellas, Um, as we are uh, entering year two as season ticket holders for the ponies. But if you're not really enamored with G5 program building or state of Texas recruiting or anything like that, like you don't follow those things, Preston Stone's probably not a name that's on the top of your mind, but I think by the end of the season, he will be. He's a guy Coming out of high school a couple of years ago, he was a four-year starter at Dallas Parish Episcopal. Made a lot of waves when he chose to sign with SMU in 2021 over the likes of you know every Power Five program in Texas offered him
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, national powers like Alabama, uh, Ohio State, Georgia, you name it. He had an offer from that power school. He chooses to stay home, go to SMU, and. You know, Tanner Mordecai, he has been lighting the world on fire for the Mustangs in that offense the last couple of years. Preston Stone was this close to beating him out, both as a true freshman and as a redshirt freshman this past year. It was a true competition, neck and neck in both years. Uh, Preston Stone came up just short, but he's had a lot of time to kind of grow his craft at practice, um, figure out things. He was injured last year. His one start, he unfortunately did hurt his collarbone and was pulled from that game. So, He is coming back from an injury this spring, but guys, the talent is absolutely there. He was a a high four star coming out of high school. Again, had offers from everywhere in the country, chooses to stay home and be part of this resurgence of the SMU program. That's really what made him choose uh, to stay home and go to SMU. He wanted to be part of building this program up. And making it into more of a power program. We talk about, you know, I'm sad we don't have a Pac 12 media rights update for you guys this week, but <laughs> SMU moving in the direction of wanting to join the Pac 12 or, you know, moving into looking to up the ante and move into a power conference. Preston Stone, part of his decision was wanting to be a part of that, putting SMU on the national map and kind of re cementing their status as not just a regional G5 power here in Texas, but competing for. More things like New Year's Six Bowls, like maybe even the college football playoff in a couple of years when it's expanded. So I'm really excited to see what he can do. And in the uh, writing about him, it's, it's really clear to see why he is a breakout candidate. We talk about the talent. We talk about the natural ability. He showed it on the field in spurts last year. He kind of got some mop up duty and he also got one start with Tanner Mordecai injured. In the first half of that uh, start, guys, he had already thrown for over 200 yards and a couple of touchdowns before he got injured. So, kid can sling it. He can do it with his legs as well. I'm really personally excited to see what, how Rhett Lashley uses him as a true dual threat quarterback. The last guy that he had as a dual threat quarterback, you guys might remember him, De'Eric King. Uh, he put up video <laughs> game numbers in this offense, throwing for yes, over 3,000, running for about eight or 900. So, I'm really, really excited to see how he does in this offense that's built for just video game numbers for the quarterback. You saw Tanner Mordecai put up ungodly numbers through like for eight touchdowns in one game last year against the Houston Cougars. So Preston Stone, guys, he has all the talent in the world. They are handing him the keys to the Ferrari um, in this offense. And I think he's going to rise to the occasion. I think we're going to be talking about him as one of the best, if not the best G5 quarterbacks in the country. By the
2: as, end of the season, as an SMU season ticket holder, you you might get a letter from the athletic department for handing him a keys to a Ferrari, and not a Ford Mustang. Um, yeah, you know, yeah.
1: I, I <laughs> think what is SMU, the official? Yeah, the, whatever the official car of SMU. I was Act gonna is. say. I, I, I think, think they know. probably <laughs> expect this to be more on brand than that. So it uh, is Highland, Highland Park, please. though. So it's got to be a Ferrari or a Ma- Maserati or a Tesla. I don't know. Some some sure. luxury vehicle. That's that's right.
2: Um I, I'm excited to watch him. I, I think he's a big part of why, like you mentioned, we we renewed our sponsorship of SMU athletics. Um we <laughs> we placed more hard earned American coinage in the in their pockets. And uh, yeah, you know, it's it's gonna be a lot of fun to to go out and see what he can what he can do that offense should be a blast. I think the big question for SMU is does anybody decide to suit up on on the defensive side of the ball it didn't look like it last year and um you know you need to score 50 plus if you're gonna win with the way the smu played defense last year but yeah if preston can become something special what a what an awesome story that would that would be i think he would command a lot of national headlines
1: well and he's gonna have a lot of help it's not gonna just have to be him in his first year as a full-time starter i I don't want to make this the smu hour but i will you know plug them for their ability to recruit because Mm -hmm. Not only have they gotten a lot of really talented guys locally, reached out to Lashley's Florida Connections, gotten a few players from there. They had the number 10 transfer portal class um, in the entire Florida. country this year. Absolutely loaded. They brought in 17 or 18 guys, most of those from Power 5 schools. Every offensive position is going to have yeah. legitimate talent. You you mentioned the defense is going to be a question mark. No, no doubt about it. He's also, in my research for this article that I wrote about him, he also... They only play three top fifty pass defenses from twenty twenty two, so there is a lot of opportunity to put up some gaudy numbers against not the best competition as well.
0: Yeah, well, and when you brought up Preston Stone, you know, I was sitting there and I saw the message come across, and you mentioned who you were talking about, and he kind of had me doing the finger snap. I'm like, oh, he's the, um, he's that guy who, um, who's the, and I, I couldn't remember who you were talking about. And then I, I look him up again. I'm like, oh, yeah, no. Yeah. This and, and I couldn't believe that was a deep cut. Obviously, you know, y'all are much closer to SMU, but you know, kind of a deep cut there as far as breakout candidates. And and that's what we're talking about with a breakout candidate. You want a guy who can, you know, come out and do that. Um, I, I was, you know, looking at a little bit of the film. I went back and I watched a little bit of that film from his, his start there where you were saying he threw for a couple hundred yards. He can sling it. And, and that was my big question was I was saying, hey, is there any way that, you know smu can keep at this level of offensive production mitch you mentioned it you know nobody plays defense over there unfortunately uh for smu maybe that'll change maybe that'll change we don't know we'll see um but you know at least last year nobody played defense and so it seems like the formula at least for smu is score a bunch of points you know and you know hope that you can get just enough out of your defense um and, and, you know, I was I was thinking about that and I was looking at what he has. He certainly has all the tools to keep that going. I'm really curious to see what he can do. Keeping his composure over a full schedule, obviously, you know, maybe not the highest level of competition in high school um, and, you know, certainly not a, a poor level of competition, but not the highest level that you maybe expect out of several of these top tier quarterbacks like that. But I think, you know, if he's you know, even a top three, top five G5 quarterback, I I think that's a a huge, huge move in the right direction for SMU who you're right is looking to maybe make a move into the PAC 12 and, and, you know, be a part of that media saga. But, you know, again, we're just trying to drop the PAC 12 media rights in everywhere we can. Right. Cause you know, <laughs> that's what you guys want to talk about. Apparently.
1: Well, so- and for 2022, three, at least for SMU, it's a fascinating schedule because they do have two big 12 opponents in Oklahoma and TCU. I don't think you're really necessarily shaking in your boots to face either of those defenses. Obviously they have talent, but not, not necessarily known for being defensive powerhouses the last couple of years. And then the American is all of a sudden wide open with the departure of Cincy Houston and UCF. So Mm -hmm. SMU certainly has an opportunity to kind of rise up in the next tier of the American, kind of be up there. They're going to be competing with I think Tulane and UTSA to win the conference this year.
2: It's going to be a lot of fun to watch Group of 5 football. I know, you know, some folks are down on it and and you know, with the Big 12 poaching through the best teams, I get it. I'm still very intrigued by what's going to go on in the Group of 5. Uh, You mentioned Preston Stone was a coveted name. Oklahoma really wanted him, uh, and you're going to return to Boomer Sooner country here in just a little bit with your other offensive player. Uh, Garrett, let's go over to you, and we've talked about Pac-12 meteorites and shoehorned that into as many episodes as we can. I think (laughs) you're taking us out west for your first breakout candidate, Jaquinda Jackson.
0: Yeah. And a guy who, remember, was recruited as a quarterback out of another Dallas area high school. So, right. um, look, know. you know, we were talking about, you know, big time players at all these different colleges and how we're not going to go that direction. And I know that Utah has won back to back conference championships. I get that. OK, and so I'm not necessarily going for small program here, but Jaquinn and Jackson. Look, this dude is about as set as anybody to make a big splash. Look, I want to go kind of through his story and kind of how he got to where he is, because I think he's a really interesting candidate. So as I mentioned, he was a guy who was coming out of Duncanville and in high school, he was an elite athlete. I mean, I, I remember watching him even his sophomore year in the playoffs uh, in, in a game where my high school ended up beating Duncanville, a uh, little plug there, but um it was just a really interesting one because I saw him and it was kind of a who's going to get the ball last, like or who's going to because he was going to score. You just knew he was going to score. And we play a physical you know, defense at my high school, but he was still just trucking dudes that were, you know, his size, maybe a little bit bigger. And, and I mean, just running around people. He He's an insane matchup in high school. So naturally, he gets recruited to all the biggest programs, heads to Texas originally, and doesn't exactly end up fitting there. I don't think that they really knew how they wanted to use him. I think they were thinking about moving him to running back, maybe keeping him as a, as a bigger quarterback. I think there were brief talks about moving him to tight end at some point, and that just didn't end up washing out very much. And he get, decides after a stand at Texas doesn't work out. I'm going to transfer to Utah. I'm moving to Salt Lake City. Uh, I'm going to head up there. And Kyle Whittingham almost immediately said, no, this kid, he needs to be playing running back. Um, he, he's the right you know, kind of athlete, the right size to be a jo- just a dominant running back. He's 6'2", he's 229, he's a big dude, and he is crazy, like we said, crazy, freakishly athletic. Um, and-, and he saw the future at the running back position, so he said, go ahead, give it a shot. Now, a couple things that make me really excited about this is, number one, the offensive coordinator stuck around, right? Andy Ludwig stuck around, decided to give it another run in Utah. This was the 11th ranked scoring offense, and they were also the 11th ranked rushing offense in the country. Um, they, they ended up with, I want to check my notes here, 217 rushing yards per game. Um, the, the Utes aren't necessarily afraid to pass, but being physical at the line of scrimmage, that's their bread and butter, right? That is what they do. That's how they succeed, especially in a PAC 12 conference where let's face it, defenses don't typically play as physically as in other conferences, right? It's a lot more of a spread it out, passing based offense out there. And that's how the defenses are typically designed. Now Jackson gets the opportunity to start after Tavion Thomas goes to the NFL. Uh, He's, you know, going to go off and succeed there. But even in some limited opportunities last year, he only had 78 carries. He led the team both in rushing touchdowns with nine and yards per carry at 6.8. This guy was already dominating before he got the chance to start just go back and look at a couple of his big performances at the end of last year he had that like 53 yard touchdown run against usc where he you know he trucks through the line of scrimmage running down he dragged a db like 15 yards into the end zone (laughs) to kind of ice that one he had that one where he hit the the uh, rose bowl game where he hit the spin cycle on that penn state defender you know runs through a bunch of arm tackles down the sideline scores another big touchdown there you just watch the guy run And he just passes the eye test, right? We don't want to only go by the eye test. These are against two pretty good defenses uh, and, and, you know, pretty good athletes, at least in those defenses. Penn State had a really good defense last year. He had no problem having some success against them. I just think with more opportunities, this guy's going to break out. He's built for it. He's built to be a bell cow. He's built to be, you know, just that physical presence. Uh, and, and I think that he's going to have a lot of fun with that. He's also got great pieces around him. Cam rising coming back. He was extremely effective last year. The offensive line returns a lot. There's a lot of older experience on that line, even with the guys replacing him, they're upperclassmen. Um, and so a lot of experience, a lot of strength there. Um, a lot of good talent returning on defense as well. They're a defense that ranked 19th in yards per game, 27th in scoring defense. So he's going to be on the field. He's going to have opportunities to, to touch the football, to, you know, do whatever he can with it when he gets it. And, and I'm just really excited to kind of see where he can go from here. He, I think that he's the kind of guy that we could be looking up here in a couple of months, you know, into the season, we could be saying, Oh, Jaquin Jackson has another highlight reel. He's always interrupting our, our regular scheduled programming for the CBS, you know, update or whatever. And then he, he, just hits the highlight reel once again, another 70 something yard run against, you know, Arizona or something like that. I- I'm really excited to see, you know, how he ends up performing this next, you know, this next season, because I think he's going to be a highlight reel type candidate. And with his physicality, I think that he's going to draw a lot of eyes uh, and it could be an, a household name, you know, come 2023. I He's, he's a fun guy to watch. And I think folks really started
2: to understand who he was um, at the end of last year, so yeah, I, I I think he fits perfectly in what Utah wants to do. I'm really excited to see what he can do in red.
1: Yeah, that postseason run that they had, starting with I think it, right before the postseason with Colorado, but mm-hmm. USC and Penn State just had no answer for him on the defensive side of the yeah. ball. He was just insane, absolutely what you're looking for in a breakout candidate. He's already done it on the field. He've, we've seen it. He had what almost what eight yards of carry. Last year, something ridiculous mm-hmm. like that. Almost seven yards a carry, excuse me. And he's explosive. He's going to be probably the best athlete on the field most of the time when he steps up out there. And yeah, the Utser fans are going to have a lot of fun watching him this year. I'm excited
2: to see uh, if he can truly kind of complete that that change in position, right? Go from a quarterback to just an elite athlete playing at the running back position and then I'd love to go see him make it to the NFL as well. Um, uh, great kid, good story. Like you said, Garrett. And, um, yeah, really, really excited to see what he continues to do in the Pac-12 South.
0: Well, one of the things that I think gives him a huge advantage too, is the fact that he was a quarterback. So he understands what defenses are trying to do and that can help you with your vision as a running back. A lot of running backs, just pure running backs, they come out and they have to learn how to look at a defense and where they're shifting and find the holes and find the gaps Whereas he's already done things like check and see where the DBs are dropping and, you know, who's shifting where with the linebackers. And so that little bit of knowledge, I think, is going to help him do those things and read defenses. Not that he necessarily has to because he could just hit the you know the truck stick and, you know, see you later to most guys. But, um, you know, no, I'm really excited to see what he can do. Before I get to mine, let's go ahead
2: and give our big shout out to University Traditions. Now, if you're listening on the podcast, you're not going to be able to see this. You're watching us on YouTube. This is why you watch us on YouTube. I've got a couple of the hats that University Traditions is allowing us to give away. There's a third one as well. It's coming very, very soon. But uh, University Traditions knows that most sports fans are looking for clothing that you can wear everywhere, but also gives a nod to your favorite team and homegrown roots. That passion and inspiration led them to create some of the best looking hats that we at the 3 Tech Pod have ever had the pleasure to wear. So naturally, we teamed up. Ah, uh, they've sent us the Auburn collection. They've sent us the the, the Norman collection, um, Knoxville, College Station as well. Uh, we're really excited to continue to wear their hats. In fact, I was in the grocery store the other day. Someone stopped me and said, "Wait, did you did you go to Tennessee? Like that's a that's a really really cool hat." And I was just like, "No, they they actually just sponsor my podcast." So, uh, really really cool to to see you know just people that I don't know stopping and asking about the hat. The designs are cool. They're very very comfortable. Um, listeners of our podcast can get a 15% discount off their entire order by using code 3TECH15. That's 3TECH15. If You head on over to univers- uh, University Traditions' website or search for them on social media. Tell them that the 3TECH pod sent you and grab yourself some of the best-looking hats on the market. You'll love their styles and feel the tradition with each new hat you own. The reason I showed you guys a couple of those hats... Um, If you're on the podcast, I held up one, the black and orange rope hat from the Knoxville collection, the red um, casual fit hat from the Norman collection. We're giving away three hats. Uh, So if you head on over to our social media at 3TechPod on Instagram and Twitter, we'll show you uh, how to to win those hats. You'll basically need to follow our social media accounts, tag a couple of friends, and we'll pick a winner for each of those hats. So let us know which one you would like to be entered uh, into the running for. And uh, maybe you'll win one of the best looking hats that, that we've ever found. Um, guys, getting back into our content, for me, I was writing spring questions that Big 12 teams need to answer. I did an SEC article last week, did the Big 12 this week. And for me, uh, when I looked at Kansas State, the big question that kept coming to mind is what on earth do they do without Deuce Vaughn, right? That guy was the heartbeat of the Wildcats for the last two years, and now off to the NFL. We're obviously recording this pre-draft, so not sure where Deuce is going to end up going, but I'm sure he's going to have a fun NFL career. That doesn't mean that Chris Kleiman and the boys get to you know coast on Deuce's success uh, anymore, right? They've got to go find their next running back, and in that article, which you can find on the Transfer Portal CFB website, I list three candidates that Kansas State will likely turn to to fill that void. The guy that jumps out and my breakout candidate, first breakout candidate is sophomore running back, DJ Giddens. Uh, Giddens was the backup last year. And because Vaughn was the superstar, because Vaughn was a human highlight reel waiting to happen. And because of his small stature, everybody loved his story. Giddens really didn't get a lot of run last year, but guys, a six foot one, 210 pound running back very quietly, got almost six yards a tote, right? 518 yards, 5.8 yards a carry on the ground. He had six touchdowns, so Kansas State actually turned to him quite a few times in short yardage situations, especially around the goal line. And for me, in a system that really prioritized and rewarded the ability to run the football, um, now with maybe a less than aerial quarterback in Adrian Martinez now they've got Will Howard so the offense might shift even more towards the passing attack but still Kleiman's an old school guy right he prioritizes being able to pick up the chains and and get those first downs Giddens to me is kind of built in a lab for I think what Kansas State wants to do he's very powerful in his lower half he runs angry he's athletic he can get between the tackles you know, I, I know that he's not immediately going to fill the the shoes of Deuce Vaughn, nor should he. But for me, I, he's a different style player, and yet I think he can help elevate Kansas State to where they stay at the top of the Big Twelve this season.
0: Yeah, I think you're absolutely right about that. If you want to just know how successful he can be, he only had 10 carries a couple times, so obviously not the numbers that you would expect from most, you know, running backs that you want to prove if they had success, but if you look at that game against Alabama at the end of the year, he had nine carries for 67 yards, that's 7.4 yards per carry, that's really solid, Mm -hmm. right? 7.4 yards a carry against a very good Alabama team. I know that it's a bowl game and maybe some of those were because they jumped ahead and they didn't care as much, whatever. Okay. You can say whatever you want to say. fact of the matter is he had success against Alabama. And I I think that that's the kind of thing you have to look for, especially since that's the last thing we saw out of him. That's the thing you have to look for going into this next season in the big 12, where you're bringing in a bunch of brand new teams. So who knows how that's going to look. You know, you, you've you got uh, a Texas and Oklahoma team, you know, they're both leaving. So we don't know, you know, where their motivation is going to be if they want to, you know, go out on top or if they just don't really care. They're looking forward to the SEC. We don't know where the motivation is going to be for anybody. What we do know is Kansas State had a great season last year. We do know that Will Howard seems to be a really good quarterback. He already kind of made his name known. Um, and, and I think with him being able to You know, kind of take the pressure off the run game, which is really why they ended up losing that game to uh, to Tulane earlier in the season was just because they couldn't run the ball. They got smothered. Um, If you can take the pressure off of the run game, I think that you're in a really good position as Kansas State to to have success um, both in the run game and just offensively overall to have a really balanced offense um and especially with a guy like Giddens I mean he's he's got all the tools right he's got all the tools that you'd be looking for he's a lot more sizable not that that was a problem for Deuce Vaughn but um you know he he's got the size he's he's got all the tools Mitch this is a great pick for you
1: what i'll be interested to see with Giddens is does he slide completely into the Deuce Vaughn role or do they try to break up Deuce Vaughn's roles into multiple pieces because i think Giddens is certainly going to be the primary runner it mm-hmm. seems like but what made Deuce Vaughn so dangerous is he had 116 receptions throughout right. his career. Like he was their wide receiver one, in addition to ripping off you know eight yards of carry on the ground at times throughout his career. Yeah. So I don't know that they're going to be able to find the entire package in one player. I think that's just so rare to give you what Deuce Vaughn gave you over the last three seasons. But you know, for for uh, for Giddens, I think. He definitely has the juice on the ground. We've seen that in the past. We haven't really seen it through the air, so I'll be interested to see if he shows more of that component to his game this year. But on the ground, he's absolutely going to be a deadly weapon for the Wildcats.
2: Well, and it's it's a good point that you bring that up because as I look at Kansas State's running back stable, they don't really have that proven pass catcher out of the backfield. So the other two guys I mentioned in this article are senior transfer Trayshawn Ward from Florida State and then incoming four-star running back, Joe Jackson. Jackson's probably the guy that can catch more passes out of the backfield, but he's a true freshman who's going to be, at the very best, RB3. You could even argue that Trayshawn Ward, if he proves himself in camp, will get to be RB1 because he's coming over as a senior from Florida State. He's compiled over 1,200 yards in his career, 12 touchdowns. He's never gotten to be the guy for the Knowles. Um, but Trayshawn is not the pass-catching running back. I mean, over four years in Tallahassee, he just hasn't hasn't proven himself to be that, um, even though he's only 5'10", 189. So I don't know if they have that true element yet. I don't know if Kansas State knows if they have that true element yet. But I do think when you look at, even if they are just splitting reps between Giddens and Ward, I still really like what we saw from Giddens. And I think, you know, you look at their schedule, guys, it's it's not an easy schedule out out of the gate. They play Missouri, UCF, Oklahoma State, and Texas Tech, uh, games three through six on their calendar. So it's not, and, and they've got Troy and in week two at uh, Family Week. So I mean, it's not an easy schedule. Still though, if Will Howard's throwing the ball and they find a consistent runner um, at RB one, gosh, guys, I mean, six and zero is not out of the realm of possibility heading into a game against TCU, they've got the, the tricky part will be at Oklahoma State, which I'm actually going to talk about who I think their quarterback one will be the next time around. And then they're at Texas Tech. So for me, you know, a couple of tricky road games that are kind of sandwiched there at the beginning of your conference slate. I don't know what I'm going to project their record to be right now, but I do know that having a guy like Giddens will will make it a lot easier to go and win those games, control the clock, especially when you're on the road trying to take the air out of a place like Lubbock, like Stillwater. Um, I think Giddens can can be a big guy. Uh, let's stay in the Big 12. Trey, you've got a running back uh, here at Oklahoma who you have tabbed to take his next big step.
1: Yeah, I'm going to go with Javante Barnes as my second breakout candidate. I love that we're keeping it on the ground, going old school guys, all three of us picking at least one running back here. Right. But, mm-hmm. you know, Javante Barnes, again, another situation where he was the backup guy last year. Eric Gray was the unquestioned RB1, got the majority of the carries. Uh, but Barnes got a couple of opportunities last year and really showed out. Specifically at the end of his freshman year, he was the guy. As Eric Gray... I honestly can't remember if it was an opt out or an injury situation, but Eric Gray was not available in the bowl game against Florida State. A pretty solid running defense, and Barnes ended up being basically the offense for the Sooners. He carried the ball 27 times for 108 yards and a touchdown. And listen, you know, we talked about a couple of really explosive running backs so far. I don't know that Barnes is necessarily going to be that guy. He didn't necessarily show it as a freshman. He had just four and a half yards of carry, nothing to sneeze at, but certainly not the you know explosion of a Gibbons or um, uh, the just the, some of the other guys we talked about. But I think that you know the offense, again, just like we talked about with Preston Stone, the offense setting him up for success. I think the offense, Jeff Lebby's offense at Oklahoma is definitely going to set Barnes up for success. Eric Gray was really, really solid in this offense, both running the ball and catching it. I don't know that Barnes necessarily will be a receiving back. He didn't necessarily show it with just five receptions as a freshman, but he also wasn't on the field in a lot of third down situations either. When he was on there, he was kind of giving Gray a spell not necessarily in a situation where you'd throw the running back. So I think he is. He does have the body for it. He stands at 6'1", 6' even, and just right over 200 pounds. So I think he could make some moves in the passing game, give them another option and dimension to that offense. But I think really it's going to be like an opportunity-focused breakout here because you look at the roster up and down, Barnes I think is the clear guy that they're pointing to as the heir apparent to that RB1 role. I think that he's going to have a lot of opportunity to show what he can do this year.
0: Yeah. For me, Oklahoma never really got it going on offense last year. You know, I don't think they ever quite hit their stride. They had great moments, right? They yeah. had some moments where the offense was really humming and they, they looked like the Oklahoma we used to seeing, but I think the first year under the coach, brand new coaching, You know, a bunch of changes to the quarterback injuries throughout the quarterback injuries. Exactly. You know, there's just a lot of things that I think went wrong for Oklahoma last year. So I think the people who are saying that Oklahoma is down need to pump the brakes just a little bit. Um, And and I think that you're absolutely right that I think a little bit of offensive success for Oklahoma, I think, translates both as success for Barnes and success because of Barnes. I think that he's going to have to be good to kind of get them back to where they want to be. But also, I think just more opportunities and more more success on the offensive side overall around him should free some stuff up for him so that he can have more success anyway. So it's kind of another one of those sort of which came first, the chicken of the, you know, which comes first. Is it Javante Barnes being an awesome running back for Oklahoma or is it Oklahoma being a lot better so that Javante Barnes can be so good? I think that regardless, both will take a big step forward. Uh, that's a fantastic pick for you, Trey.
2: Oklahoma would love for Barnes to keep time of possession <laughs> in their favor last <laughs> that year.
1: Off the field.
2: that defense <laughs> was an eyesore last year. Uh, what seeing going back through and and culling through stats from last year and seeing Oklahoma and their defense at the bottom of the conference statistically, at the bottom of the nation statistically, in passing yards giving up and rushing yards giving up and quarterback pressures was jarring right i mean because even two years ago in in lincoln riley's last year they had a guy in nick benito who is just tearing quarterbacks up and, and able to come off the edge last year they were one of the worst teams in getting to the quarterback and because of that they gave up the most passing yards uh in in the big 12 per game and over 273 yards per game i mean guys as bad as the kansas and west virginia defenses were Oklahoma was even worse, so I'm sure that they would love for Javante to, to help them out just a little bit. We'll see what the Sooners end up doing this year. I mean, they, they need a massive overhaul on that defensive side um, if, if they want to improve. Uh, Garrett, you've got a guy who's uh, not a stranger to anybody. He burst onto the scene as a true freshman last year. Tell us about Evan Stewart, why he's going to crank it up to that next level this year.
0: Yeah, guys. I mean, Evan Stewart, look, when you talk about wide receivers having tools, this is another one where he just has all the tools, right? We We can talk about him being a freaky athlete. We can talk about him having the speed, being able to burn you down the field. The route running is surprisingly great from a guy coming out of high school Um, But guys, I want to talk more about this guy's story in terms of a breakout candidate, because I think that the reason I pick him as a breakout candidate has way more to do about where he's come from than necessarily kind of that first year success. So just to run the numbers on his first year, he had 53 catches for 649 yards. That's 12.2 yards per catch. Great numbers for a receiver. Um, Most of that did come against Alabama and Florida. Um, Against Alabama, he had eight catches for 106. Against Florida, eight catches for 120. But guys, he also only scored two touchdowns, um, really low on the touchdown number. Now, obviously, Texas AM did not score very many touchdowns last year. Anyways, um, they, they couldn't hardly score two per game. Um, so two from Evan Stewart, you know, not a great number, but that doesn't really have much to do with him as much as it has to do, I think, with, again, where we're going, um, both in his story and with what a doing uh is doing sort of around him. So his story, for those who don't know, he didn't really play very much a senior year of high school. Right, didn't play very much, not a lot of consistency there. When you're not doing that well, um, when you're not playing at that level for very long, it, it can kind of take that competitive edge away. We've seen guys lose a senior year of high school and really struggle to get in as a freshman. He played just fine as a freshman, but these are given a couple different factors at AM. Number one, the quarterback situation at AM last year was a nightmare, right? They they filtered between three different guys, didn't seem like they knew who they wanted. They start the year with Haynes King, who now is transferred to Georgia Tech. Um, they, they move on then to Max Johnson, who he was fine. He was sort of serviceable, very much a bus driver type quarterback, at least with his couple games he played at AM. and um, Then he experiences an injury. They go back to Haynes uh, for the Alabama game. He gets hurt in that game. So then they go back to Connor Wigman as their third option for the year. He plays just fine in his first couple games. Then they have a game where half the team gets the flu against Florida, so they're back to Haynes, who I don't think was completely healthy when they played that game, and then back to Connor one more time to finish the season after he loses the flu. So if you're looking at that, that's not a consistent situation for any type of wide receiver, nonetheless a true freshman who didn't really play that much his senior year of high school. Combine that with the fact that now you're bringing in a brand-new offensive coordinator in Bobby Petrino who had plenty of success in his past, a lot of people very excited to see what he could do, um, and, and excited to see, apparently based on this last week's news articles, excited to see if he's going to actually call the plays. And that, that's a whole other thing that we could hash out, but that, it's probably not worth our times. Um, <laughs> and then if you combine that with what I think will be better receiver talent around him, getting a nice Smith back and then getting to pair him with the Moose Muhammad. Um, I think that'll pull some coverage away from him. He did tend to be the ISO guy. So he would be the singular guy on one side of the formation that ended up getting a lot of safety help. And people shading his direction to kind of smush him toward the sidelines. I think being able to pull some of that away from him is going to be a massive benefit to him. Should help quarterbacks look his way a little bit more frequently. And, and look, I just don't think a sophomore slump is in the works for him. A lot of people say, okay, you had a decent freshman year, sophomore slump. I think for him, the issue there is you're going to get one more year in the weight room. The issue that you had was that you didn't have consistency, nothing close to consistency for the last couple years of your life. Now you're going to get a full offseason with one quarterback who, you know, is going to be throwing you passes next year and a new offense where, and another thing that Bobby Petrino doesn't get enough credit for Bobby Petrino uses his playmakers, whether you like him or not. And this might be a fatal flaw for him. He forces the ball to his playmakers. If he is, if you're the guy, he's going to throw the ball at you 10 to 15 times a game, whether you're double covered or triple covered. And that'll be the one read that you can make on that whole play. And so, for better or worse, I think Evan Stewart is that guy in the Anim offense. I think he's going to have a great year in a resurgent Anim offense. Now, how good, how resurgent, we'll have to wait and see. But I do think that there are brighter days ahead for both Evan Stewart and the Aggies.
1: If I put the over under at 950
0: receiving yards for Evan Stewart, what would you guys take? I would take the over. I actually think he's going to be that type of guy. Um, I think he will focus. Now, the only reason you could see under, I think, is if they force the ball more to guys like Anaya Smith and Moose instead of him. I just don't think that you're going to be able to, to keep him from getting his. I think you're going to see a lot more of the, oh, and there he goes. He's wide open, 10 yards past the safety. I think you're going to see a lot more of that this year at Evan Stewart, where he's just going to kind of, you know, Compile those yards out of you know big chunk plays as well as some little things. I mean, guys, if you guys look back and look at the Alabama game, him jumping over Alabama DBs who are currently projected to go in the first like fifteen picks. I mean, come on, like these these guys are really talented. Evan Stewart's extremely talented. I think <clears throat> with a better situation, which clearly we're getting a better situation, nine fifty seems like an easy bar to hit. I I would take the under. For
2: two reasons. Yeah. One, A and M has several veteran pass catchers. Not we didn't even mention the tight end room. Donovan Green leading one of the best tight end rooms in the country. Insult. Um the other part of it is guys, like A and M's gotta do it first, right? Before I'm gonna say that Evan Stewart gets to a thousand receiving yards, I need to see it. Um and yeah, I I the play calling, listen people are going to are going to make headlines out of that the the whole media controversy that sp- spun up over Jimbo's press conference and oh his defensive answer that was before spring practice even started so the media you know truly is is making up headlines just to make up headlines um Petrino builds an offense around his playmakers Jimbo built it around his quarterback and for for a team that desperately needs to embrace the downfield passing attack, the explosive nature that you can get from a guy like Aniah Smith underneath. I think this is a godsend for Texas A&M. Petrino does not have a system that he forces his players into. He builds that system around the players. And I think that's, what's been sorely missing these last two seasons in college station. So I'll say under, obviously I would love to see the over um, not only as an A&M fan, but as a college football fan, because those wide receivers that just go gangbusters are are so much fun Mm -hmm. to watch, right? I mean, think about how much we enjoyed watching Jalen Hyatt, who, yeah, did it by running like two routes, but he got open every time, right? (laughs) So, give me more of that. I'd love to see East Stew cook a little bit this year.
1: What's fascinating is, in the entire SEC last year, there were only three receivers that beat that 950-yard mark, so... Just yeah. just the crazy talented defensive league, obviously, but the guys that are the guy are just becoming more and more rare. Not mm-hmm. saying that Evan Stewart can't do that. He was 16th in the conference as a freshman, had a really solid freshman season. I think he will be the basically wide receiver one, but yeah, it,
0: it, it's a tough line to hit. I don't know what I would take on the over-under. I'd probably lean under. See, if you're asking me, and again, you came here for hot takes. If you're asking me, will Evan Stewart be a top three receiver in the SEC next year? I'm going to say yes. I think he's that guy. I think he's that talented. I'm going to say yes. I think that's a thing. I mean, especially for including, you know, postseason. Yes, I would include that. Yes, he's going to hit 950. Now, Mitch, you said a 1000. He could hit nine fifty one, but I'm not going to go with a yeah. thousand. Hey. Come on, the thousand's a little aggressive there, Mitch.
2: It's <laughs> that, two broken plays away from from being able to happen, uh, based off your line. Listen, from from your lips to God's ears. Um, I think all I can <laughs> wish desperately for. I mean, when who is who is the last great receiver that that they had in College Station? It'd have Different been Christian Kirk, Kirk yeah. yeah. But, but even Kirk didn't put up those numbers
0: so yeah there's other reasons for that know, one of, uh, one of those reasons name I believe is Jake spavitt also uh,
2: yeah. <laughs> Listen, I mean you're yeah if you got that kind of production from Stuart you would be watching something that's not happened in college station in, in quite some time so um, you know plenty of reasons to tune in to watch what Evan can do this year and and I think I know all three of us are, are really hoping that um, that's for a lot of positive reasons. Uh, all right, to close this out, I, I could have gone a couple of different ways. And actually coming into the pod, I was going a different direction. I have audibled since we hit record. Um, I came in thinking I was going to talk about Quinn Ewers and why this year is a is a prove-it year, not necessarily on his own back, but because the the infrastructure that's built around him will force him out if he's not successful. And then honestly, Trey, in your opener, you talked about how we were picking guys that you know people were off people's radars, and well, we hadn't really gotten to see them. And so I went, okay, you know what, we're gonna go a different direction here. So, Arch so, Manning, so, <laughs> so, you know, a little a little known guy. He comes from a tiny private school in New Orleans. Uh, Arch Manning. I, I don't know if you guys have heard of him. Um, <laughs> no, we're gonna go up to Stillwater. Scroll down that article I wrote, and I had a lot of fun putting this together because not only is he a local kid, but his story makes you want to see him succeed for the Pokes. If you have not heard of Alan Bowman, let me introduce you to him. Uh, Formerly superstar at Grapevine High School, uh, was very, very successful. Set the Grapevine uh, school passing record in 2018, I believe, his senior season. Goes to Texas Tech. He's supposed to be the next great quarterback under Cliff Kingsbury. I don't know if he's come back from Thailand or not. Um, but anyway, we wish King Kingsbury the best. Shout out, Cliff. Um, Bowman starts out really successful at Texas Tech. And, I mean, it looks like the Red Rocket 2.0, right? I mean, he's got the flaming red hair. He's a good-looking kid. F- people are anointing him Texas Tech's Andy Dalton. And then he just can't stay healthy. He suffers a punctured lung six games into the season. He breaks his collarbone the next season. By that point, Kingsbury's out. Matt Wells is in. Now they're running an entirely different offense. Now we've gone away from the air raid. I don't know what we're doing under Matt Wells, but it's not winning football. So he transfers out. He goes to Michigan. Again, I don't really know why he went to Michigan considering at that at that time, Cade McNamara was the starter. You have Five-star all-world talent, J.J. McCarthy, on board as well. So at this point, Allen, who has not been able to stay healthy at any point in his career, is for sure, at best, the third-string quarterback. He gets into one or two games up in Michigan, an extreme mop-up duty, but again, still not the healthiest guy up there in Michigan. Now we're on his second transfer. We're down at Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State's quarterback is in, or quarterback room is empty. They have Gunner Gundy and um and I'm forgetting the other kid's name who is like quarterback 3 now on the depth chart. But after Spencer Sanders gets hurt, quits on the team, injuries galore for the Pokes, there's nobody home, right? And and Oklahoma State limps to a 6 and 7 record. They go to the transfer portal, they get Allen Bowman in. This is Allen's last hurrah. Now, for Poke fans, this is Kind of not bittersweet, but you're allowed a little bit of PTSD because in 2018, Alan Bowman came in and destroyed y'all. Absolutely lit Oklahoma <laughs> State up in Stillwater. A 41-17 blasting of the pokes. Bowman threw for... uh He completed 35 of 46 passes, nearly 400 yards in Paris scores. Honestly, it was kind of what... um uh, Tech's true freshman quarterback came in this year. Maverick, uh, and I'm blanking on his name. Um, but Maddie what he did? Really? No, that's that's yeah. the that's a golfer. That's, that's but the, good, good try. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
2: anyway, it's kind of what happened this year where Tech came in and nearly stole that away from Oklahoma State. So there there might be some you know Vietnam flashbacks going on right now. But here's the bottom line for Oklahoma State. You're in desperate need of an answer at quarterback. The transfer portal wrecked your program, right? Spencer Sanders transfers out. John Paul Richardson transfers out. Mason Cobb is now in USC playing linebacker for the Trojans. Trace Ford, your team captain, and yes, you're right, Baron Morton. That's right. Thank you for that. <laughs> pull. I have no re- idea where you are going with
1: Maverick. That's why I do the call. <laughs> well, uh, that's, that's a different
2: quarterback transfer from Texas Tech. I don't know where I got Maverick either. Um, anyway, Trace Ford, your former team captain and edge rusher is now wearing crimson and cream for the Sooners, right? I mean, you lost everybody. Alan Bowman coming in, he's not played and started consistently in two years, but if he can unlock the magic that we know that Mike Gundy just is able to find, he develops and gets the most out of players better than almost any other country uh, coach in the country uh, other than like a Kirby Smart or, or Nick Saban, right? So if Bowman's able to come in and throw for 4000 yards, I think Oklahoma State has a chance despite the roster discrepancy. I think they have a chance to win 8-9 wins. And I would love to see Allen stay healthy and be able to create a little bit more magic in Stillwater. So You know, I don't feel necessarily as confident in his breakout as I do a guy like DJ Giddens or you know guys that you guys have been mentioning. But it's more if Oklahoma State wins and is successful this year, points at Alan Bowman. It's because of this guy, and and for that reason, I really wanted to tell his story and put him out there because hey, Oklahoma State football is fun to watch. You've got a a true gunslinger who's back there who's you know, hopefully going to take good care of the football and, and create a little bit of magic up there for the pokes.
0: Yeah. The lack of success, I think just comes from not having the right fit so far. Right. But Gundy seems to always get the best out of his quarterbacks. I mean, we'll see what happens with Spencer Sanders at Ole Miss, but look Gundy gets like everything and more out of his quarterbacks he, he makes guys that had no business being any good look like actually solid players. And so even if, you know, even if Alan Bowman wasn't really actually a good player, I still think he'd have some moderate success in Stillwater being the fact that, yeah, he's he's clearly got the tools. He's clearly got what you need to succeed at quarterback. Uh, I'm really excited to see what he can do at Oklahoma State, especially, you know, the thing that we've talked about a couple times and this brand new look Big 12. I mean, we don't know what's going to happen. We don't know who the top teams are going to be seems fairly wide open. I think most of us would probably say that TCU does not repeat the success they had last year, um, at least not to the same level. And so you don't you don't really know what's going to happen in the Big 12 at this point. I'm really excited to see what we could get out of Oklahoma State. And, again, Alan Bowman, who, funny enough, guys, I think we actually picked four out of six of our guys here are DFW high school athletes.
2: How about that? There go. How about that? Hey, listen, the, re- the recruiting hotbed that is North Texas – um, I think it's statistically the the hottest recruiting bed in the country. There are more four and five star blue chip recruits that come out of DFW than there is any other you know general area in the country. So um, love love to hear it. High school football is great here in the state of Texas.
1: <laughs> yeah, and on Alan Bowman too. I I would love to see him make a comeback just because. I feel like so much of his potential was robbed from him from just injury after injury after injury. Like you highlight his time at tech every single year. I think he would have made this breakout candidate list because he he burst onto the scene as a freshman at tech and had put up a ton of numbers and just could not stay healthy to save his life. So he has the talent. He has the experience in this conference and I'm excited to see if he still has that magic. Like you said, Mitch, I think, If anybody's going to get it out of him it's going to be Mike Gundy. Well, and not little injuries either, right? I mean a punctured right. lung. It's gruesome. Like, yeah,
2: yeah, the broken collarbone, he got up and you immediately knew oh that's that's it. He's done. Um so, you know, it's it hasn't been kind of nickels and dimes and tweaks and strains which make me feel like okay, he can we can put a complete season together, right? We can stay healthy. Honestly, you just kind of need the the ball to bounce bounce your way and so far since you know since he was a superstar in high school he's had spurts where he was just magical and and then it's derailed by an injury so um you know certainly wishing the the best for Allen this season football is just a little bit more fun I think when Oklahoma State is is plucky which is most years right I mean Gundy is is a wizard at getting to 10 wins despite the odds so um really really hoping that uh that he can do that and we have you know, fun, fun highlights coming out of Stillwater basically mm-hmm. every weekend. Uh, but guys, I think that's going to do it for this episode. Definitely let us know what you guys thought of our list. Who would you have picked to put on this breakout list? We did offensive candidates this week. We'll talk about defensive candidates in the next episode as well. And, uh, you know, these are this is not an exhaustive list. So we'll keep throwing guys in as uh, as we continue to move along in the offseason. Um of course, head on over to our social media at 3 Pod on Instagram and on Twitter. You'll see this episode uploaded. You'll see all the coverage that we're doing for the NFL Draft, for the college football offseason. You'll also find our University Traditions hat giveaway over there, so we would certainly encourage you to uh, to take a look at that. And, of course, if you're new, haven't subscribed to the YouTube channel, aren't following over on Spotify, on Apple, please do so. It's free, helps us tremendously. And uh, you know, just keeps keeps encouraging us to grow the podcast, create more content for you guys as well. For Trey Reeves, Garrett Turney, I'm Mitch Mason. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time, so long, everybody.